Welcome to Ride Around the Road, the creative podcast that helps you get those pesky voices out of your head and onto the page. And remember, it's the journey that matters. Welcome to episode 107 of Writer on the Road. Uh, we've had so much happening this week, I had to make some notes so that I could make sure that I could keep a track to tell you everything. Uh, the writing is happening really, really well, and I'm excited to say that Tracy Peterson and her Million Words group has actually inspired me to sit down and do the hard yards. That means hopefully we'll actually be seeing some novels out this year. I've just been on a podcast chat with... Uh, her name is Kim Ardgett Singer and she's a coach in New York and she's got some wonderful things to share with us in the next few weeks so hopefully I'll have that podcast up and we'll see how important it is to have accountability buddies and to have someone cheering you in your corner uh, to get from the beginning to the end of a novel. Now some of us and some of our more talented writers who I have as guests on the podcast all the time find that part of it really easy but there's a huge percentage of us and probably 90% of the population who want to write a book and who start a book but they never get to the end. So I'm putting up a free webinar on Thursday, this Thursday the 8th of March and it's called Getting Your Novel Started and we talk about the writing habits and the routines and the goal setting and the perseverance that's needed to get your novel started and then we'll start talking about how we're going to get to the other end um, because I'm sure I'm not the only one out there who looks at people who have five, six, seven, ten novels finished and just admire them so much. So the rest of us, we're going to try and catch you up, guys. I had the beautiful Kevin Tumlinson. I was speaking to him this morning from Draft to Digital and he has written five books while I've still been talking about it and he's just released his his newest novel and he'll be telling us about that in a podcast shortly. I've had the beautiful Rachel John, Sally Hepworth and Lisa Island and talking about their Secret Life of Authors newsletter that's coming up. So I'll be putting those up in the next few days. If you haven't subscribed to their newsletter, I suggest that you do because those girls are just plain funny. And then I've had um, I've been chatting to our very own Joanne Dannon and um, she is what I call the Australian version of Bella Andre and she's embarrassed about that but she is doing some amazing things and I'm guessing that she will continue to grow and grow until she becomes I think a household Aussie indie author uh, name that we all aspire to so go Joanne I'm really really proud of you keep keep up the good work um, so that's it we've got our free webinar on Thursday our 30 days to write better writing habits our 30 day uh, Facebook live series is over thank heavens uh, because by the time I got to the end of 30 days I was going oh my gosh uh, this is much harder work than I thought so I'm putting out a little ebook about that soon so so that everybody who who is not in the writing routine yet and look there's a lot of us out there everybody don't be put off by all those those um, authors out there who look like they're doing it so easily because they're the same of us as us. They need to get their bums in their chairs and they need to be writing. And last of all, if you haven't downloaded your guidelines, the voices in your head, uh, please pop over to our website and download your free copy of that now and sign up for our newsletter um, because. I, I really have to get my newsletter up above um, 100 subscribers. Everybody I speak to on the podcast, they've got 15,000. I spoke to Kevin today, he's got 35,000. And I thought, I haven't 
even started to get my newsletter subscribers together. So humour me, go and subscribe to the newsletter, download the, download the writing guides. Um, everybody's got voices in their head, so there might just be something in there that you can pick up on. All right, if you'd like to sit back now, I have two beautiful friends of mine on the podcast this week, and they are called the Cooking Ladies. Now, Phyllis and Lamont, they've been good friends of mine for some time, and the talent that these two women have is just amazing. They've just put out a new book, or it's been out for a little um, little while now, called Let's Get Grilling. And I'll be putting up some of the beautiful photos and travel stories that are in, in that cooking book so that you can get a taste of, of how talented these ladies are. They make out their own recipes. They've been living off their writing for many, many years. I met them at the International Food, Wine and Travel Writers Association conference in Hawaii. One of the highlights of my life, I guess, along with having children and travelling all around Australia and living in mining camps, uh, going to Hawaii was just the best fun. And seeing how the other half live with those luxury resorts and the Michelin star chefs and and being part of that community was just amazing. Uh, that's how Phyllis and Lamont have lived there, uh, I guess, a lot of their adult lives are uh, travelling around in their, I think it was an 11-metre motorhome, I've forgotten how long it is, but it was big, uh, selling selling their cookery books, uh, being guests on television shows, doing all the exciting things. So I'll let you uh, sit back and have a listen. But pay close attention to how they make their money. Now, they introduced me to the idea of customised books or uh, sponsored books and when you hear how many copies they sold and how much money they've made you'll wonder why the rest of us haven't done it before now but they also uh, write travel articles they also have other things in their I think they call it feathers in their cap gosh I haven't used that expression for a long time but they are gorgeous they're honeys and if you're not laughing by the end of it um, like I was uh, you're not listening closely enough from sunny odds today we're traveling over to lake erie over in ontario and it is the cooking ladies i'm speaking to you today i'd like to welcome phyllis and lamont hi Hi. there how are you now i'm really excited to have these ladies on uh we did the most amazing podcast uh a couple of weeks ago and i lost the lot so they've been very very good spirited and they've come back to give me a second chance now these ladies are absolutely amazing they've just released a cooking book called let's get grilling which is the least i guess the least exciting part of their story and the most exciting part all at once these guys have gone through the indie publishing uh, track for many many years this is their first experience with traditional publishing it's the most beautiful book and i just happen to have a couple to give away uh, from this podcast and we'll talk about that a little bit later but the reason i've asked these beautiful ladies to come on is twofold Firstly, they've lived in a 12-metre motorhome for years and years, and it's just the most exciting way to travel and the exciting way to live. As you know, that's what I love. But also, they have made their living uh, in a professional manner the whole whole way through, and their story is just amazing. Uh, I'll start with either one of you. Uh, Would you like to give us a little background on on where you've come from and, and what you're doing now? Well, as you know, everything with us is sort of a a natural progression. One thing leads to another. Uh, Years ago, we were wanting to go to Europe. And in order to make a little money, which neither one of us had at that moment because we had spent all our cash, 
um, we worked uh, in a little hotel in Dublin, Ontario, a little crossroads in the middle of nowhere and ran the hotel kitchen and made enough money to go to Europe for nine months in a Volkswagen van that we picked up in London, toured around for the nine months, had wonderful food and travel experiences. And we decided that we better get back to Canada and make some money, which we did. We bought a little restaurant and then it grew into a catering company. And in a previous life, I'm Lamont talking, uh, in a previous life I was a school teacher and Phyllis was a banker getting her fine arts degree and um, go from there. Well, that, so then we, then we came back and we said, uh, well, maybe we should get into the into the restaurant business. Is that what kind of where you yes, left off? Yeah. Okay, and get into the restaurant business. So we we got into the restaurant business, and from the nine months of being free and easy and traveling all over Europe, uh, we suddenly were stuck in seven days a week. So we worked seven days a week, and and uh, we bought a, I got a second restaurant and and a catering company, and uh, then we uh, we went. Uh, Lamont and Lamont's students came to visit and she stayed around and hung around. We made her a partner. So there were three of us. And so we, we had a place called Trios and, and it was running along great. And We were and going gangbusters. <laughs> and we were busy. Of course, we're all three of us now are working seven days a week. And uh, Susan, our third partner, had asthma. And just before Christmas one year, she died of an asthma attack. And at the age of 28. And we had been working, like I say, seven days a week. And we looked at each other and we said, what is wrong with us? You know, we're working all this time and life is so short. So we sold everything. We sold our houses. We sold our businesses. We sold our stuff. We gave away our boyfriends. We did. We just we just opted out and we got the, the 12 meter motorhome. And we drove around North America. And the decision was to just let the highways take us where they took them and see what happens. And we did that for nine years. We had no fixed address. It was wonderful. It was the freest we've ever been. And we highly recommend it, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you should do this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, then uh, when we were on the road, it's one thing leads to another. We said, well, maybe we should uh, write a cookbook. And, and at that point, too, uh, we had started a, a travel article yes. in, in magazines and newspapers back home. So we were writing regularly and we were writing recipes, yeah. creating recipes from, from people that we met on the road, getting ideas on the road. And we were accumulating all these recipes and accumulating all these stories that we were sending back to magazines and things. And we thought, well, it's about time to put this together in a book. So we, we spent uh, summers in Canada and winters in the southern United States and wrote the cookbook. And uh, we, we ended up traveling to every state in the U.S. and every province and territory in Canada. So it was, it was, it was pretty nice to be able to do that with, when you're free like that. But life pulls you back. So anyway, then after we wrote the cookbook, uh, we were taken on uh, by a chain of, of hardware stores in Canada um, that hired us for a two-year contract as their cook kitchen experts. And we suddenly we're writing cookbooks for them and we thought you know we really need to have a place so we bought a little cottage on the shores of lake erie in ontario canada and turned it into our test kitchen and that's where we're sitting today and the reason, the reason we bought it was one it was on water big water and two there was room for the rv beside the kitchen because <laughs> <laughs> we needed to park it somewhere yeah. when we were at home so again you know, as I was saying, um, Linda, things just naturally progressed. They progressed from being in the food business, being caterers, 
getting into writing, staying on the road and wanting to be free. So we thought, okay, let's just continue this lifestyle and try to create some income by writing. But, but the cookbooks, like we're, you're talking about, uh, you know, being uh, independent publishers and, and self-publishing and, and then going to a, a regular publisher, that, that first book, we, we uh, created it and self-published it. And uh, then we went to uh, the chain of hardware stores and we talked to them and we said, would you like us to customize this? Yeah. We, and then they, yeah. they said yes. And, and, and the first learning curve was self-publishing. So that, um, for example, Phyllis, we lined up the printer in Canada, which is what we wanted to do. We didn't want to go offshore. And we lined up a designer. And then um, basically we had a little bit of advice from a crazy man who was a, an, an agent, worked with us for a while. Got some good tidbits from him. So we got that first one put together. So then when we went to the home hardware chain, we had all that experience behind us. And we were able to say to them, which is really important if anybody's considering it, what we were able to say to them is, this is what we can do for you. You see this book that we've got here, we can customize that and put pages in it with your name on it, your products on it, the products that we use, um, make it Canadian stories, and you could sell them all across the country. And, and that's and they did. They 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 actually bought uh, <laughs> and they did. Say, they bought actually a, a total of eight cookbooks from us. The, the day, Melinda, is, you'll love this. The, the day that we went to meet with them, I think it was with the initial idea, actually, because we gave them a little bit of heads up. So we were sitting with all these, the head honcho guys at Home Hardware, and we're sitting at the table, and we're finally discussing with the, the key men who are going to make the decision. And at the end of our presentation, one of them turned to us and said, well, okay, um, we'd like um, 12,000 copies. And Phyllis and I said, Sure, we can do that. We just held on to our chairs, you know, just because it's so unheard of, you know, because you, if you publish the regular way, they, they sell one copy at a time at the, at the bookstores and you get a, a cut of that. But this was like they just bought 12,000. And it was like, wow, this is really a good way to do it. And we, yeah. we behaved as if that was what we did every yeah, day. It was just like, no, no problem. <laughs> That's no problem, we said. We can do this. So, so anyway, we did that. That was 10 years ago uh, that we, that we uh, were with them. Um, and then in the, in the years since, we've been writing for magazines and, and uh, traveling around. doing a, We do a lot of restaurant consulting because of all our years in the restaurant business. We kind of know how to fix it for people. And, and if they have a problem, we go there and, and help them or we do it online. And we help them. And, and uh, another fun thing, too, was through the years down in Texas and back up here in Ontario in particular, we did ladies' nights out where they would sell, places would sell, whether it's for um, for charity or, you know, a fundraiser of some sort, would sell like 350 or 400 tickets. And it was all women. And the two of us would be up on stage with a microphone and our stories to tell. And more often than not, the women had a bit of wine before we ever got to the microphone. So it worked really well. <laughs> so, we did, so we did a bunch of things like that, restaurant consulting and writing and, and ladies' nights and that. And then um, a, a Canadian publisher uh, approached us and said, would you write us a, a barbecue, a, a grilling barbecue book? And so we said, yes, sure, because we always said, sure. You know, somebody said, can you do this? We said, sure. Yeah, we can do it. Can you cook? Sure. 
Can you do this? Sure. So, so anyway, we wrote, we, so we said we could. And, and so we wrote this. It actually took two years. It's a, it's a wonderful book. It's actually our best book. Um, and it took two years to do. And it was a totally different experience writing for someone else because now we aren't the boss. And we have no control over when it's published or, or the design really not, you know, we had, we had a say with the title. Mm -hmm. uh, we take, take all the photographs, we take all the photographs of the recipes, and there's all the travel stories are in the book as well, which makes it not just a cookbook. And we chose and wrote, created the recipes. And then they sent a professional photographer to do 20 of the recipes, uh, but we did the photography for everything else. And so, uh, we, it just took forever, you know, because we thought, oh, if we were doing this, we'd, it'd be done. But uh, it took forever, and it took two years, and it came out in 2017 in the summer, so it's only been out for a few months. And it was a summer in Canada, sorry, <laughs> not where you are, you're opposite. But uh, so it, it, took, it took that long and it was just a wonderful book. I mean, we were really pleased. Uh, but of course, now we don't have that control. We don't have the control over, over anything really once when somebody else does it. But it's nice, they spend the money to do it then. So, so, it's, uh, so there's the difference, you know, either you have to lay out the money or get a, a, get a sponsor, like get somebody like that chain of hardware stores that, that gave us a check, or else you get a publisher that pays, pays the way. And I, and I guess going back to the customized book with the hardware store, that definitely was the best book experience for us, definitely financially. Um, because we were able to turn to the people in the hardware store and say to them it won't cost you anything to do this because what they do of course was went to their suppliers like Cuisinart and various people who do cooking appliances and those people put upfront money to be included in the book so it didn't cost the hardware store anything or really certainly not so they not got much so they got the sponsorship from from their suppliers um, just to put the put the products in the book. So it was a really good uh, partnership that we had with them. They were wonderful to work with. Um, but, but the thing is we were, we, we were able to say, yes, we'll sell you this book and we would sit down and just, and just work, work, work day and night. We would do like seven recipes a day and we do this and then we design it and then we'd send it to the printer and, and we could have those books turned out on three months where this last one took two years. So uh, it's, it's quite different uh, when you're, when you're in charge, you just, take control and do it should we take a breath and let you talk yeah we're just talking i mean we just you know we never shut up here <laughs> now everyone you can see why i let these ladies talk and please do not be fooled by their their jocularity because behind the i guess behind the conversation are two incisive minds that have worked day and night for years to be the success that you are ladies and you make it all sound very very easy everyone if we could sell 12,000 books uh, with just a flick of our wrists we would have done it by now uh, you I assume when you said you did the presentation with the with the hardware guys who made their decisions you would have had to put something together that was pretty impressive to do to do that I'm assuming Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, what what we what we had was uh, we had that initial book, the one that we wrote called it was called Recipes from the Road, and it was travel stories and 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 recipes, and and it was all, we we created that one actually in the RV in the motorhome um, when we were traveling around North America, uh, and so we had that book in our hands, and we walked in with that book, 
So it was a, it was a finished book and we showed it to them and, and it was, it was pictures on every, on every page and everything. Cause we didn't let, don't like recipes that don't have photos. So we, and, we, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say and at that point too, again, we were, we were being very tentative about it, but we were in there to give it a really good try. And at that point we were able to guesstimate roughly what we could charge them per book so that we could, they could see that it wasn't an enormous number and we could see where we could make a little money on it. So we weren't into specifics just yet, but once they said to us the 12,000, well then we were able to go back and approach the printer and say, okay, what's the price now at producing 12,000 copies? And you can imagine the substantial change in yeah, that. I mean, when, when you print that many books, the, the price per book goes way down. So it was, it, that, that was, that was really good. And, and the experience was even, it yeah. stepped up even more than that in that the hardware store said to us, okay, I presume you will do a display box for in every store across the country. And we said, sure. Yeah, sure. <laughs> of course. We had no idea. I mean, we had, we had no idea how you do the display box. So we, we found a company that makes boxes. And we said, this is what the size of the book is. And, and we need you to design this and put this writing on it and and they all came and they were came and like all not folded together we had to make had to fold them up, up. <laughs> fold them up but anyway so every every box held 12 books and there are a thousand stores in canada so a thousand of this chain and so every store got 12 of our cookbooks across the country and again a part of the approach to somebody like that is you have to do everything you can to make it easy for them so we came up with the idea, you know, of sponsorship, of course, from the products and that sort of thing would come up with cash for them. But the other thing was um, we were able to coordinate the box making, the display box. We coordinated delivery with their trucks to be picked up at the uh, printers in, in the middle of the country. Um, so there's a whole lot of coordinating, but it was, it was a really, really good experience. Yeah, and, and, the, and the, other, the other seven that we wrote for them, it was easy. Because we did all, we, we, <laughs> because the first one we had, you know, we had to learn. We had to learn about boxes and, and picking up and shipping and, and all this stuff. But uh, the rest of them, that, that was already in place. So it was, all we had to do was write the books. Do you, do you have any questions on that part, do you think? I'm still recovering, guys, from you sold 12,000 books. Uh, you walked into these um, guys and said, here, this is a really good, a good idea and this is how you should do it, and then organising them and then taking a 1,000 display boxes across the country. My mind just boggles. Now, remember, everybody, we're speaking with two <laughs> professionals here, professional teacher, professional banker, who have taken those skills and they have really worked them. I am majorly impressed, and I'm assuming the other seven books, let's 12 by 7, I mean, it's very early in the morning here in Australia, but that's an awful lot of books and it's an awful lot of boxes and it's an awful lot of coordinating. Well, you need content. You need but your you yeah, you talk about you talk about uh, writing the articles and taking the photographs. Yes. Now, this is right back at the very beginning. So, who does what? Oh, that's interesting. Well, we 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 co-author everything, but some of the responsibilities kind of go a little bit off to the side. So, for example, over that initial five or six years on the road all over North America, uh, we were doing a recipe seven eight times. A year, right? Eight issues for the for the one magazine. for the one magazine. Yeah. So we're automatically creating eight new recipes with stories. So of course, over six years, now we have fifty recipes and fifty stories, roughly. Plus, other magazines were happening as well. 
So we had this great thing to catalog and, and keep track and of. Wrote, we wrote for newspapers too, as we did that weekly for a while. Yeah. So we had a lot of recipes there. But when it gets, it gets right down to writing the story part, um, we, we set it up so that I start off and I put the initial idea together and I make up a title and I, I try to finish it off. Then it goes to Phyllis. And, and, and I'm the editor from Help. Yeah. Because. <laughs> so then it goes to Phyllis and she makes me cry. And oh, then, I don't. And then she makes it better. Then you won. No, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, we work very well together. We work very well together. So, because so, Lamont gets it down at, she gets it all down on paper because she was the teacher. You know, she was the English teacher, right? And so uh, she's she's very good at at organizing and 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 making like essay type things. And so it's really good. But then I have a degree in creative writing, so so I get in there and I start I start she slashing plays. and and move the second paragraph to the top. And so I, I we do all this stuff, and then it goes back to her, and then she rewrites, and then I rewrite. And by the time it goes off to an editor for our magazine. They don't have to do anything because we've, we've it, it has bounced back yeah. and forth so many times. Yeah. yeah. And then it's interesting, too, on the food part, creating the recipes. Um, I, I tend to follow a recipe or what in my mind is a recipe. I'll have an idea and I really have a, a, a very rigid concept of what I want it to be, taste like and look like. Whereas Phyllis can open up the refrigerator door, pull out 20 things and turn it into something spectacular. Amazing. But it's uh, the, the the recipes. We we don't have many failures. I we anymore. Do we? No, no, <laughs> no they're no. pretty good. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm going to interrupt. I've got to interrupt. I love that. I love that anymore. So look, I this is a streamlined business. Everybody, make no mistake. This is digital nomads before digital nomads were even in existence. <laughs> Tell us about the original book. Tell us you made a mistake. Tell it. Tell us you're human. What was your first disaster? Well, oh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you something very human. Uh, when we were in the restaurant business, in the little restaurant that we had initially, I was in the kitchen and Phyllis was in charge of the dining room. And my nightmares at night would be cooking a hamburger and not being able to get it on the plate. I couldn't get it on the plate to the customer. I just couldn't finish it ever. That was my nightmare. Well, in the book thing, in doing a cookbook, inevitably, if we were doing 50 recipes, the 49th and 50th recipe would be so hard, they would not work, they wouldn't photograph well, it just wouldn't come together. There was always one that just drove us crazy. Yeah, we have, a, we have a, of, of those eight, seven books, with how many, six, eight books that we wrote for them, uh, six of them are called The, the Cooking These Best Little Cookbooks. And uh, so... We had a certain amount of recipes, so they're not—they weren't big books. Those—they weren't as big as this this one that you have, and and the, our first one. But we had—I think it was like the the last, very last recipe in the book, and we're tired, and we want we want this done, and the last <laughs> recipe wouldn't work, and and we tried tried it and tried it, and it wouldn't work for us, and we were so frustrated. And I walked out into our garden here at the test kitchen, and I got some cherry tomatoes and some basil, and we had some of the bocconcini. Uh, you know the, the fresh mozzarella and I took a toothpick and I put those together and I put them in a plate and I drizzled balsamic vinegar over the top and I and and it was the best recipe it was and, and a good photo too it was a wonderful photo but it was just like you know sometimes you just have to let it go and let it happen and we were trying too hard to get that last recipe so we're, we're very human 
But yeah. but you know we don't make those mistakes. I mean, in the very first cookbook, uh, like this, the very first cookbook, of course, we probably should have had an, an editor uh, rather than just each other, uh, just for the recipes because the, the writing is no problem. But just in the recipes, we have one recipe uh, where you had to tie string around it. It was it was a stuffed tenderloin, and and, and you had to try, tie string around it, and then at the end you take the string off. But we forgot. At the end of the recipe, it says to remove the string, but we forgot to say put it on, you know. So it's like somebody gets to the end of the recipe, and and we realized after all these books were printed, you know, that we, well, where's how how can they take string off that was never put on there? But but we don't make those mistakes anymore. You, you learn. <laughs> and when we again, you'll love this too. Uh, I think it was one of the the first books early on. We had a group of friends that we would put the send the manuscript out to to have them edit it for us, and. <laughs> one set wrote back and said that we had driven them to drink because <laughs> because we had used too many commas and they had gone comatose because they didn't know whether to remove them or put them in or what to do with these commas. Oh well, but oh. but as but as writers, the commas needed to be there. It, yeah. They did. I love yeah. that word comatose. I'm going to use I'm going to use the word comatose. I am I am I'm <laughs> taking it and keeping it. Uh, now everyone, I met these guys uh, be probably four or five years ago now over at the International Food, Wine and Travel Writers Association conference in Hawaii. Now I didn't know what hit me at the time. These two very nice, you know, unassuming ladies, and within five minutes I was rolling on the floor laughing. And the professionalism of these ladies uh, blew me away because you don't you don't come across as you're certainly not pushy and you're certainly not um, out there at the front of the row. And we're talking about Michelin star chefs and all the kinds of people that were were at, that were at, her, that were at those functions. You guys just seem to be in the right spot at the right time all the time. Uh, with that camera in your hands, uh, with those minds, I'm guessing there's a lot of organisation going on behind the scenes with everything that you do. Yes and no. It really is yes and no. Some of it is still by the seat of our pants. Yeah. But but when we are going to do something, yes, it's planning ahead, and and I always have a pad and a pen ready to write anything and everything down, just like you with comatose. Um, I was making copious notes. I have I have books from Hawaii and every trip we've ever done, just because when we're writing about it later, you, I need to know about the smells and the colors and the, you know the people we've met so that I can include them in the story. Yeah, because with without Lamont, there wouldn't be. It wouldn't be as good because I just wing things and and hope they come together. But but Lamont puts everything down like she'll have a timeline and then you know this takes so many minutes and this you know so she'll have it all laid out and so uh, it just keeps me organized because I I mo I more or less think it's going to happen but I don't think it would I think it wouldn't be very good and that and that makes it it makes it easier for us because there are two of us because yeah. again as when we're on a fam tour or something one has a, a pad and paper and the other one has a camera going so we're we're doing both things at once which is you know it's, it's ideal really it's it's a pretty good partnership and when when we do the when we do the the recipes too uh Lamont does a, a lot of the prep work like she'll do the chopping and things like that and then I get to do the the fun stuff for me I I get to, to cook it and time it and and I, I create the the ingredients and then Lamont does the cleanup. Yeah, and I let her. Yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> 
Because if you, if you want the cleanup done, you need to do it. Because right? I just throw it out and I just start buying new dishes. No, it's, uh, it's, it's great. It's, it, works, it works great. Yeah. Now, a familiar meal, everybody, just going back a, back a few steps, is, is when you go on a trip and you're, you're paid, I guess you're not paid, but you do have all the perks and benefits of accommodation and food and you're treated very, very well because the five-star places want to get their their I guess their place is showcased so it's a hugely responsible uh, job that you guys are doing and you're the best of the best as you said you've done restaurant critics and now you're called into restaurants to to uh, help everybody else be the best they can be that would have been not the case in the early days you had to build that reputation so if some of us who were starting out and you wanted to build that reputation what advice have you got? Well, as we all know now, whether it's you know, going to a publisher with a manuscript or whether it's approaching um, a tourism bureau in Alabama in order to get down and, and see something and experience something and write about it, um, you really need your, it's not brand established. In our case, it is because it's the cooking ladies, but you, you need to be able to show them that you're doing social media. You need to show them that you've produced articles. Um, and the biggest thing too is they want to be able to see return on investment, good old ROI. And so as soon as we write an article, if we write an article or we blog or we post a photo on Pinterest or Instagram, we immediately send it to those travel people so they can see that we're out there doing our jobs. Yeah, because we do, of course, we, we, you know, we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter and we're on Instagram and Pinterest. So, so you kind of have to be out there so that they can see that. And we have a website, uh, thecookingladies.com, for anybody that wants to look. Uh, and so you have, to, you have to do those things. You have to put in the time and the social media and that. And you also, we also had to put in our 20 years in the restaurant business, um, our, our nine years full-time on the road and, and writing cookbooks and, and doing all the stuff didn't come just before that. It had to come after. So we had to have that experience first before we could do you it. Know, and I think a, a good point to be made is that if you're going to branch out and be entrepreneurial or you're going to branch out and start something brand new, it's really wise to, to use the base that you already have. For us to go out and write about travel and food is completely natural because we've got all that background experience. If we had gone to be sports broadcasters, we'd have been learning all over again, right? So, so the real recommendation is, is use what you know. Don't give up all that wonderful knowledge that you've been putting together. Use what you know. Now, yes. I don't know if you listen to that, everyone, but these guys just wrote off, they had to do all the hard yards of travelling around the country <laughs> for nine years. Uh, that must have been tough. tough. <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> <laughs> we we learned with that great big motorhome pulling a car behind it. We learned in a hurry that if there was any problem, you just stopped and dialed one eight hundred whoever it was and called yeah. them. <laughs> but then we did we did, we got a smaller one after a while. We had to, but we had that one for nine years, well more probably yeah. yeah. Because we had it here after we bought the test kitchen and we had it parked beside. And we still would we would still leave for four or five six months a year. And come back. It was our home base then, uh, but having no fixed address was kind of, kind of cool. Yeah. Well, the, as, as you know, I mean, when you're when you're traveling like that, the, the challenges of the day really are: what's the weather going to be? 
what direction am I going to go in today, you know, and get talking to people. And the, and the thing is, I mean, we were just, I, I, I just wrote a thing on, on my Facebook page the other day about uh, before we went into the United States, we thought we should get a gun. And so all the all the stuff we had to go through because Australia is just like Canada in, in that, you know, it's not easy. You have you have you have to go through a lot and you have to go to gun school here. You have to wait eight or nine months before they'll give you a license to get one. And so and you have to be no criminal and you have to. Be, so you have to do all this stuff. So in light of everything that's been happening, um, I wrote that. So that, that was it. But we never did. I mean, we never did get one because we shoot by ourselves the, at the foot. By the time you know. we finished the course, and we were both, you know, we were familiar with guns prior to that, just having been raised on farms. But by the time we took the course and looked at all those guns and all those weapons and automatic things and all those bullets, we thought, no, there's no way. Yeah, it was just, there were so many rules. I mean, you can't carry it. You can't take it out of your residence unless you're going hunting. You know, it's, it's not very easy here in Canada. To, which is a to, good thing to own one which is wonderful i hope they never change you know i hope it's it's always like that mm. but that was one of the things when we were traveling you know we thought well what i'm going to do and actually it was never a problem we were fine the other our other biggest concerns when we were hitting the road and this was going because we, we full-timed for nine years we never had a home base so once we gave up on the gun idea then we got really practical and got into well who's going to cut our hair so we went we both went out and took a hair cutting course so, so we could get it done when we needed to. So we, so we became hairdressers. We became haircutters too. Oh. Yeah. And on the, on the security. I'm sorry. saying this is all part of the indie lifestyle, everybody. Uh, if you're going to indie publish, you get out there and you learn it. It's all about uh, lifelong learning and self-education. These guys take it to the extreme, but I think that's a an indication of of why they've been as successful as they have, and why they're still successful, and why they've been able to self fund this most amazing lifestyle. And there's one story I I I heard it when in our aborted podcast. You pulled up outside a radio station or a television station to do a story the next morning, and you parked your RV in the studio grounds. Yes, we were we were on a we were on an 81 no 90 day trip going across the country when we were promoting the book for the hardware stores and we were at this great big motorhome that had our photo it was all wrapped in colors and our faces were the size of the side of the motorhome and everybody knew who we were going down the road and people were trying to catch us for interviews and autographs and well, all sorts of things and if they didn't know they thought we were really important to have our faces on the side of that big vehicle they 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 assumed anybody who saw it who had never heard of the cooking they assumed they were rock stars yeah. So we had an interview in a, a TV station uh, out in the prairies, out west, and we were to be there at five o'clock or something. I think it was at the end of the day interview, but we had planned ahead and got permission from them to stay overnight in the parking lot. So we parked the RV there where we were going to spend the night underneath a tree, went in and did our interview inside, and it was great. It was a good interview, very enjoyable, said goodbye because we'd be on the road in the morning, went back out to the motor and may have poured a beer or something, who knows. And there's a knock on the door because meanwhile, they had called our PR fellow in Toronto and said, we'd like to interview them at 6.30 on the breakfast show. And so here we are suddenly preparing for another interview because we were there. So at six o'clock in the morning, they're out there again with cameras. 
but it, it was it was incredible. It was I mean, we were we were in newspapers and television on radio. I think ninety times in eighty days or something. It was it was crazy. We finally had to tell our we had a, a PR guy and and we finally had to tell him stop. You know, this is too much. <laughs> uh, you know, and here's he another, was really good at this job. Here's here's another lesson in all of this too, or another tip is that. When we were promoting our book and for promoting any book, radio stations and newspapers and television are looking for stories. And the better that you can make your story sound, the better you or the more reaction you're going to get. So can you imagine it was pretty easy for him to pitch two women, 40 foot motorhome, driving across the country and wide open to be interviewed or a 12 meter motorhome. 12 meter motorhome, yeah. <laughs> so so it, it's it's kind of put a put a glow on your story, you know, put a glow on, on, on what you're trying to tell so that they, they can use it. But, but I wouldn't, you know, but if you're going to write a book, write anything but a cookbook, because if you're, if you, <laughs> if you write any other book, you put it under your arm, you walk into the TV station and you sit down in a nice chair and you talk about your book. If you write a cookbook, they want you there at five o'clock in the morning with uh, a recipe that hasn't been started, a recipe that's halfway done, a recipe that's finished, and you have to cook like seven recipes in five minutes, and and you have to do this on the air live. And so this is what happens if you write a cookbook. So so we often said that. Look at that. Some other guys were in there. They're having interviews and they were just walked in with the book. It was so easy. They could just get out 10 we, minutes we, before. We would carry in pots and pans and carry out <laughs> dirty pots and pans. Yeah. <laughs> now, food. Yeah, I'm thinking back, and we're ta- I'm thinking back to probably the 80s and 90s, last last century. Everybody, for for those of you who are too young, um, but those shows were really, really popular. And um, along in the slipstream came people like Jamie Oliver and all those sorts of people. And I think we had a bit of a chat about the was it the two fat ladies on their on their motorbike who went round yep. Britain. They were very, very popular. So yep. like I think you timed it very well, but that would have been accidental as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. It was all <laughs> accidental. Everything, everything's <laughs> accidental. We do get our <laughs> we we, we weren't we, we didn't start off as as chefs. <laughs> We do restaurant owners. We do get organized once we get going, but the initial premise is quite often by accident. <laughs> yeah, and it's that one yeah, step at a time, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like even when we went, you know, first the first book that we did was that was self published, and then then we then we did uh, the books for the for the store, and uh, then, but but the thing about that was we walked in there that day, not really expecting that it was going to happen. But if we hadn't done that, if we hadn't called and made the appointment and walked in and said, you know, here, this is, but you have to say, this is what we can do for you because that's what they care about. You know, it's not, it wasn't about us at that point. It's about what we could do for them. And we convinced them that we could do great things. And so it worked. I just wonder whether they, um, I wonder if they expected that it would turn into this juggernaut of this huge bus driving across a country in 90 days and, oh no. and the promotion. Oh no. that, I mean, that just doesn't happen by accident. Yeah. 
they they had no idea <laughs> what they were getting into. What happened was we did that first book initially. And then, of course, we would sit down afterwards and we'd say, okay, what can we do for them next? What can we do? What can we do? And then we thought promotion. And we thought, well, we've got a motorhome. Why wouldn't we go across the country? Why wouldn't we put home hardware all over the motorhome and drive it across the country? And then we gave them statistics on how many vehicles would see us on the highway in order to prove a point. And we had a road crew. Yes. Yeah, it was it was pretty nice. Yeah. Wow. Because um, we needed someone. Yeah. Now, these guys, you've got a road crew, you've got a PR person, and I know there's a story behind your PR person. You're collecting statistics as you go. You are one step ahead all the time. So if, if I'm looking at indie publishing nowadays and we're looking at people writing their fiction and they're still excited about a launch and promoting on social media, to be as enormously successful as you guys, you really do have to think an awful lot bigger, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and again, experiences along the way, we did like we did a run in the motorhome through the Northeastern United States and we went from bookstore to bookstore and book signings and we've done book signings all across Canada. And what we, what, what we've come away with is, Book signings don't do much, really. There might be a few people there, unless you're Stephen King or someone who's really big and well-known ahead of time. Book signings to us now are basically a waste of time. It's so much better to get the story out on social media. Don't you think? Yeah, I know it is. Absolutely. And, and you know, like 10 years ago, uh, there wasn't as much social media. What, you know, like in, in you know, 2008, 2007, 2008, when... Um, when those books were, were out there, those first books, it was like, uh, and not a lot of it, it was there. I mean, there, we were blogging and, and things like that, but it, there wasn't so much, there wasn't so much Twitter and there wasn't uh, Instagram and things like that. That And so it, it's just growing all the time. So that's, that everything is happening on social media now. It's, uh, it's wonderful. I wish we'd had it. Yeah. And just, I'm put in mind now too, that I had mentioned earlier that, that, try to have a good story, you know, have people know a story, like a five sentence story about you, the author, that is really interesting, like really a hook. And then by all means, pitch it, pitch it to people. Like, for example, if you're from Sydney, pitch it to Sydney, because here's a Sydney author. Now you immediately, you've got one hook already because you're, you're a Sydney person. Um, and then relate it to something else that's happening and try to have something in that story about you or else approach people that reflect that story, right? So that it's linked in order to be a hook. Yeah. I don't know if that made sense or not. <laughs> I, th I think that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and they always say start local and spread your wings. And that especially applies for travel writing, everybody. Your own region and your own area uh, has the stories to tell. And then you take it on the road and then you get the big caravan and then you, then you plaster your face all over it. I mean, these are exciting times <laughs> and anything goes and being entrepreneurial. Uh, I'm just thinking with you guys. No, I'm sorry. I've got. To, I've got to, I'm stopping here, everybody. I want your. I want your pitches. Uh, you said you've got to have a five sentence pitch. I, I've got to go back. I can't let this opportunity go by. I'm really sorry. Who wants to go first? Philip. Our pitches. Come on, your five hours. Yeah. How are you going? How would the cooking well, sell themselves? I mean, well, the mind well, bubbles. Well, well, Phil, well, Phyllis is looking in the book she's for the kidding, latest pitch. What was fun? But you know, uh, our our publicist, when he put that three or four sentences or five sentences together, 
we had talked our, about ourselves in terms of the cooking ladies, two women on the highway, full time in an RV, which is exciting. I mean, that's an exciting story. But he took it up another whole level and referred to us as Thelma and Louise. Uh, with no immediately, doubt. <laughs> see? Exactly. So immediately in people's minds, that, that whole idea was elevated, right? Yes. And, it, and it works. Just little things like that. Yes. I have, well, I have the introduction in the cookbook. I can read you the first couple paragraphs. Yes. This is how we started. Okay. So it says, so this, yeah, this is in our, in our cookbook. It says, how do two university friends with no experience in the food business become successful restaurant owners, culinary travel writers, and cookbook authors? We quit our teaching and banking careers to travel the world, but ran out of money before ever leaving North America. We landed jobs operate, operating a hotel kitchen and saved just enough for a nine-month, 25,000-kilometer European adventure in a Volkswagen van. By the time we returned to Canada, we knew we were natural nomads hooked on food, travel, and writing about our adventures. However, our travel wings were clipped because we were broke. Again. We bought a restaurant as a means of income to finance future travels. One restaurant lent to another and another and a catering company. We were having so much fun working seven days a week in the food business that we put travel on hold for the next 20 years. So that's the, those are the first two paragraphs of the introduction of our cookbook. So it kind of sets the stage of who we are. And then we, we tell about um, our business partner dying and what, what it did and where we, we sold everything um and then uh then we said we, we stood at the arctic circle with snowflakes falling on our faces walked ghost towns in new mexico watched wild horses run among the dunes in the carolinas chilled our drinks with ten thousand year old iceberg bits in newfoundland and labrador walked on lava beds to the sea in hawaii straddled an earthquake fault line in california and have eaten our way around the gulf of mexico so, so it just uh, it, 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 our lifestyle and what we've done. Yeah, I'm ready to hit the road again. Me too. Yeah, I'm a, really good, doesn't it? I'm a bit restless. <laughs> uh, now the lady and I have no. a with everyone. I'm going to go over to Canada and steal their motorhome, and they're going to come over to Australia and steal my caravan. <laughs> uh, well, we want to come. We want to come there and steal yours. We we have we have Australia on our list. You look out. Yeah. <laughs> now Australia won't know what hit it everybody it will be a wild time now I know you're both kicking your <laughs> retirement and we've used up most of our hour now now you guys are kicking into now I'm using the word one of you but I'm assuming it will be a team effort because we have an editor in our midst uh you're, you're kicking into fix, fiction writing as a semi-retirement activity yes Fiction primarily being Phyllis, the creative writer. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. But all the, I mean, all my, all my life I've wanted to write fiction. She wanted to write the great Canadian novel. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I, I, I went to University of British Columbia and I, I got my degree in, in uh, fine arts degree in creative writing. And, and, but then life kind of took all these other directions. So when, when you're busy doing food and you're busy doing this and that, it's, it kind of gets pushed to the back burner, but uh, I kind of pulled it out the other day, and uh, I think maybe I'm going to give it give it another step and see what happens. Oh, I'm yeah, really I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, if you take to fiction writing the same way you've taken to everything else, uh, it should be an amazing read. Uh, The thing that, and it makes me a little bit sad, is that fiction writing always comes along after everything else because, as you said, when we're broke constantly, we have to do other things, uh, which is really, really sad. Mm -hmm. Trouble is, indie publishing in fiction now, you can actually really make a career for yourself. This could be your second coming. Sure, it could be. Second going. (laughs) Though I know that I'll get really excited about it. I have, like, I have, I I don't know, I I probably have 60,000 words written. I mean, and I have part of an outline. And so it's, uh, I I don't know. I I just hope, hopefully, it'll it'll be a major change at the test kitchen because we will no longer be watching Netflix. (laughs) Phyllis will be in the heads of her characters instead. Yeah, that's what that's supposed to be, right? Yeah, so, and it's yeah. gonna it'll have to be a romance novel, everybody, because we've got Lake Erie over here at Ontario. We've got two semi-retired ladies uh, dwelling back on their uh, big achievements on the road, and these these amazing stories that you have to tell. And you're sitting there writing your fiction. I guess uh, Lamont, you might have to write the memoir. <laughs> yeah, and and because you know, as the organizer and the time person, my yeah. memoir would be factual. <laughs> actually, actually, she has a lot of words on that memoir already. I mean, she has. I do. She has been writing. She's better than I am with her time. You know, she if she's going to do something, she'll actually sit down and do it. I have to do Facebook a while, and then I do Instagram a while, and Twitter, and you know, it's just I'm hungry. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the the restaurant part of our experience when I go down to write about it. So there's some really good stories of our early days in restauranting and all the things that we learned that I think because again as restaurant consultants, which we do online all around the world, but it, it there's good experience there that I can maybe put into little ebooks or something, you know, little something. Who knows? Yeah, and the other thing that you can do so very very well is talk about how to, I think, put your ideas out there and think think um, outside the square and I'm thinking of your hardware stores and how that just grew. We'd like to say like Topsy, but it didn't grow like Topsy. You guys were in control of it every step of the way. Uh, I think <laughs> teaching the rest of us that with drive and with passion and with energy and some of those um, drive, passion and energy taking seven days a week, you can... And you most likely will succeed at whatever you put your hand to, even though there are setbacks along the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and not everything works out. You know, like, like things, we have done things that, that we thought that should happen and they haven't. We, um, we, we thought we were going to get rich when we were in Spain in that Volkswagen van. We collected those glass, turquoise glass insulators from hydroelectrical poles and we threw them into a suitcase and sent them back to Canada. We thought we were going to get rich on them as antiques. It didn't work. Never worked. I, mean, I don't know what we were doing. So not every, not, a, not every one of our ideas is a good one. No, we have listened to these guys for an hour, everybody, and I've just been blown away by their successes. And it makes me wonder, we could probably do another whole podcast on the glass jars in the suitcase (laughs) scenario. Uh, If at first you don't succeed, uh, try something else, I would suggest. Uh, Look, it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you for the second time. Remember, everybody, I've already had an hour of this and I laughed my way through that one as well. 
And this is a completely different podcast. So they've got two podcasts worth of stories to tell. Just amazing. Please go and have a look. Where can we find you? At, at uh, thecookingladies.com is our website. And if they, if they go to the website, everything's there. Like our, our blog is there on our website and, and our, in, uh, our links. Instagram and all the links to Instagram and, and Twitter and Facebook and everything's all on our website. So it's www.thecookingladies.com. And the cookbook is On the Road with the Cooking Ladies. Let's get grilling. So we're gonna, you're going to do something with one or two of those, right? Somebody's yeah. going to be lucky. Now, I've got two of those books to give away. Now, we did talk about um, how we were going to give them away. Can either of you remember? <laughs> uh, you were going to have people write. Weren't you going to have people write in a proposal or a, a pitch? Little, a little oh, travel story, a couple paragraphs. I think we should a postcard travel story. Yeah, I think we should get them to write a little travel story. I think that would be absolutely wonderful, and we can put the pictures but, up. I think that would be great. They yeah. call they're called postcard travel stories, right? They're just little short ones, three hundred words. Yeah, not even that, maybe. Yeah, postcard just uh, little short card travel stories. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. All right, everybody, uh, we are going to write postcards, travel stories. I'm going to enter, um, and I'll get the cats and the dogs to enter. We are going to become travel writers. Uh, some of us are probably better at it than others. And if you want to try hand at photography as well, which is always another complete skill that you'll spend the next 20 years trying to perfect, uh, we are looking forward to more of The Cooking Ladies. We're looking forward to seeing your stories, everybody. And if you can even take anything away from our chat today, it's be professional, plan, plan every step of the way, make it look fun, but really it's like that duck on the water, isn't it? Underneath there, you're paddling madly. That's, that's right. You know, I guess it's, it's true. You have to, and get, be passionate. That's the, that's the key word. Be passionate about what you're doing. And uh, I think your chance of success is much better. Yeah. And we'll call this everyone. Agree. We yeah, we'll call it a passion for travel or a passion for life we'll have that because it just shines through uh when i grow up everybody i'm going to hit the road i'm going to travel for nine years and i am going to get rich somehow i might just go straight to the retirement guys i think that i think you're having a better life now that you're retired yeah, yeah. no i you know and if you do that melinda you know very well things will just they fall into place Something always happens, do. doesn't it? Yeah. All right. Look, thank you. That's it from Rider on the Road. And we shall see you again next week. Don't forget to send your travel stories to us. And we'll have two of the Let's Get Grilling book to give away. And if this is not the perfect weather for it, uh, nothing is. We could probably cook with these things all year round over here in Brisbane. Okay. Bye for now. Bye.